This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here we go, hour three. It is a Friday, and that usually means we kick out the jams. Weekend can't come soon enough. It's going to be a bitterly cold one, but uh, here to warm our hearts as well as uh, inform on a front that, uh, you know, really doesn't get uh, established often enough in this show uh, when we have some fun and learn stuff at the same time. Dan Riskin is back with us, Canadian evolutionary biologist and media personality. Dan, how you doing? I couldn't be better. How are you? I'm good. You know, I was talking to the panel in the last hour, and I, uh, in trying to sort of promo the upcoming segment, I was talking about body cams uh, because it was a story of a guy who took his car into the shop uh-huh. and uh, the mechanic decided to disconnect his dash cam. And, you know, then the question surrounded whether or not uh, there is a prerogative of the mechanic working on the car to do so in privacy, mm. or is it because it's the guy's car, he has a right to keep that camera on? Interesting. Uh-huh. Did you guys get that all sorted out No, then? we never did, at least not, not, not to my mind. I tried to understand w- where the perspectives were coming from, but it was just a mishmash, so uh, I thought, okay, uh, maybe I've not explained what our segment's about here, because body cams, when it comes to policing uh, versus dash cams, I mean, it's a, a pivot. Uh, arguably to uh, suggest that, you know, there's subjectivity uh, in both cases. But let's let's find out what you found out in terms of uh, experiments that have been staged when it comes to body cams versus dash cams and policing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. When there's a camera involved, you sort of feel like, okay, now there's a referee in the room that sees everything and nothing can be cheated. But it turns out that something as simple as where the camera is can have a huge influence on how people interpret the video itself. And so um, the question that was driving this, it's a paper that just came out, and it it, it basically tests whether events that are captured by, say, the dash cam of a police car or the body cam of a police officer, same event, do people interpret it the same way? And, of course, the big question is, would a jury interpret it the same way? If the police officer does something untoward, uh, will they convict based on one type of video versus another? And they did eight different experiments. They looked at a whole bunch of different scenarios. Some of them were real videos that were taken from police confrontations. Some of them were staged uh, so they could control things like whether you could see the face of the other person and things like that. And what they found was that if the video is a uh, taken from a body cam, so you're seeing it from the perspective of the police officer, but you can't see the police officer themselves, you're less likely to say you know what they were thinking. You're less likely to ascribe intent. And so it's a little bit legalese, but um, what that means is that if, if I show you a video of two people bumping into each other, and you can see both of them walking in, and you see both of them bump, and you see both characters in the video you'll be quite willing to say that person bumped in on purpose. It's like watching a hockey highlight. They totally meant to do that. But if you've got the dash cam view, you're way less likely to say they did that on purpose. And so, you know, as we move this conversation forward into as cameras go into more and more places and and we talk about body cams on every police officer and what that would mean, uh, it's interesting to know that there are these biases that that a, a body cam doesn't necessarily give you the same information or the same picture as having cameras in other places. Well, it skews the perspective, obviously. And so uh, let's just take it into a real-life scenario, because uh, we talked about this before we started, that case of Sammy a team on the subway, uh, or the streetcar, rather. Yes. Uh, tragic outcome, and uh, it involved a police officer. Uh, we know that he went to court and was convicted uh, for a uh, murder attempt 
after your team had already been down, but it was the confrontation that led to all of the questions of whether or not he perceived his life to be in danger, as his lawyer had argued, uh, even though your team was like 21 feet away. But this was all based, too, on uh, the public in a lot of cases uh, made their minds up based on that videotape. Yeah, and that video was not, <coughs> excuse me, was not a body cam, of course. No. It was taken from outside the streetcar. I mean, you could see silhouettes in there. And so you ask yourself, had the police officer been wearing a body cam in that situation? Of course, that would have been direct evidence that would have been that would have been relevant to the trial. And it may have dissuaded a jury from saying what, you know, from from saying that they knew what the police officer was thinking. And so they might be more likely to take the police officer's word. They, they can't say, he didn't feel threatened. They say, I don't know what the police officer was thinking. So it's this interesting thing where if you can't see the character in the video, it, you're less likely to to think you know what's happening with that particular character. And so with when body cams, and they did interesting things to, to suss this out by even just changing, if, if, if the experimenters showed the body cam video, but in the corner was a picture of the police officer's face, just so they could see who the person was, whose perspective they were doing, that influenced the outcome of whether they thought that person was doing things on purpose or not. So, All right. so now that this uh, study has come out, uh, Will it change, you know, the M.O. of certain police? I know some departments are mandating that officers wear body cams. So uh, does this then put them in a better position to outfit everybody with a body cam? It's always difficult to know how it's going to come out. I mean, if scientists were running things, then maybe it would. But, of course, politics and interest groups and unions always get their their hands on things. But from my perspective of looking at this, if I were in a police force, I would see this as an incentive to wear a body cam. If it if it's going to decrease the likelihood that a jury is going to think they is going to ascribe intent to me as a police officer, then this, if anything, works in my favor. So maybe this will be used as evidence to support maybe by police groups to say we do want the body cams. Uh, but you know, with as with any good fact, leave it to a politician to turn it around and use it however they want. So goodness knows this is a very hot topic, and I don't know how it's going to be used in the end. Uh, well, I was going to ask uh, what other practical applications. I guess any time you're in a confrontational setting, uh, you could be in the military, you could be a bouncer at a club. Yeah, it could be any kind of uh, any video where you know and and with the internet now we're so quick to to say we knew we, we you know you see the video you get outraged and you uh, you're ready to convict and uh, it turns out just where the camera was in the room could have changed how you perceived it all right and because the technology is so uh, omnipresent readily available accessible and uh, you know you just clip it on yeah whatever yeah and even people cyclists for example Yes. On their helmets. Yes. Yeah. And and if you want to put it there, I mean, if, if you're going to ride your bike and you have the helmet, uh, you have the helmet cam, uh, if anything, people watching that video are going to say that they don't know what you're thinking. So uh, it, that might be in your favor if there's ever a video being used as evidence and you're and you're involved. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if this is a non sequitur, but I reminded myself of uh, back, way back when, Kerry Fraser, the referee, blew a call when Gilmore was clipped by Gretzky in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It was in the semifinal. Uh, claimed he didn't see it, but everybody in the building did, and it was certainly there on TV as well. So if Fraser had one of those referee cameras that they now wear, yeah. maybe, maybe we could have exonerated him because he's persona non grata in these parts. You know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and that's the thing. I'm always amazed what referees will put up their put an arm up and then they play it back and it's like two frames of video but they saw it correctly i'm amazed by what they can do all right again with dan riskin canadian evolutionary biologist and media personality he's got all kinds of wonderful stuff uh let me light on this one 
the risk-taking bias in human decision-making. Mm. It's encoded via a right-left brain push-pull system. What do you mean? Yeah, you, well, okay, so you got to know when to hold them, and you got to know when to fold them. So yeah. you're at the table, and you've got a giant pot, and you don't have a good hand, but, man, you want that pot, and you've won the last four hands. You go for it, or do you not go for it? And we know that people vary whether they're going to take a bad bet uh, with a big outcome based on whether they're on a hot streak or not and based on what their past experience is and also based on who they are. Uh, but it varies, and you never know. And that's what makes that what, that's what can make it kind of fun when you're with your friends and you're playing. Um, but uh, what we didn't realize is that if you can actually look inside the brain, there's this really dramatic right-left thing that happens. And so there were some some uh, some people that were interested in this question and they wanted to know what was happening deep in the brain, but you can't really just walk up to some random people and say, we want to stick electrodes deep into your brain. Fortunately, they came across uh, some people who were receiving treatments for epilepsy and already had electrodes deep in their brain because that was part of what they were going through to, to figure out where they were going to do the surgery. So they had these 10 subjects. And so they said, hey, while you've got those electrodes in your brain, would you, do you want to play war? And you know the card game war, right? Mm-hmm. You put down your card and then are are you going to beat the other person or not? And so the way it worked was they, you know, they played, a, a, they played basically an electronic game of war and they saw what their card was and they didn't know what the next, what the other card was going to be yet. And they could bet a low bet of $5 or a big bet of $20 and they had to choose. And, uh, you know, for the most part, if they had bad hands, they would put a low bet. And if they had a good hand, they'd play a big bet. But every once in a while, they, they varied. And what they were able to see by looking inside the brains of these people is that when the right side of the brain lit up, they were about to do uh, a risky bet. And when the left side of the brain lit up, they were about to play it safe. And so it, this is just looking at those situations where they're not likely to win. Do they go for it anyway? And the idea that there are these, it's almost like there's the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. Mm. And, and the devil is on in the right hemisphere of the brain saying, go for it. You can make all that money. You can do it. Um, and, and they really do battle it out, these two sides of the brain. And so that was a huge surprise. They didn't expect to see it playing out just that dramatically and physically, uh, but but it does. All right, well, so is it brain chemistry? I guess it's the risk-reward thing. I, I know this on the golf course. Sometimes you're teeing up a shot or, you know, you're lining something up that you got no business doing, but yes. you figure if it, the infinitesimal chance that you make it, uh, there's a big reward at the end of the day. So you're saying that's all determined within the brain. Yeah, it's all, I mean, we knew it was in there somewhere, right? right? I mean, the thing about the brain is it's like a million circuits or billions of circuits and all these crazy parts. And you just don't expect to see it lie out right in front of you like that, where it's like right side, bzz, 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 okay, they're going to go for the big bet. They're going to take that golf shot that they don't have any business making or bzz, 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 left side lights up and then nah, I'm going to just play it safe. Well, are certain individuals then, or is the individual predisposed to that, or is it every uh, circumstance draws its own dichotomy? They had to make a different mathematical model for every different of these 10 people that were in there, so they each had their own model. So people are different, but it is a trend across them that the right side is risky and the left side plays it safe. Well, what about something like, uh, is this akin to fight or flight? It's it's all related. It's all part of that big system. And so how you assess danger and how you assess how, how big a problem you're about to get yourself into uh, is the big question. And, of course, people are unpredictable, but it's kind of neat to know. It's not like they could see the brain light up and knew what they were going to call, but when they looked at all the data afterwards, it was a very clear signal. I was going to say, it's a... Uh 
probably easier to be a card counter than it is to light somebody's brain I up. think it's a lot less expensive, <laughs> that's for sure. Right. This is fascinating stuff. Uh, we've got to have you back again sooner than the last time, but this is a wonderful insight into, again, uh, evolutionary biology and uh, how the mind works. Dan Riskin is a Canadian evolutionary biologist and media personality. Promise you'll be back soon. Absolutely. This is a lot of fun. Thanks. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh, my God. The ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hurry. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.